0: invite you to stand as we pray and hear the word together. Holy Spirit, you're with us. We submit our ears, our physical ears, and our spiritual ears to the word you have for us today. Would you move amongst us and speak to us, open our hearts to hear your word to us today, so that we might be transformed more in the likeness of Jesus, our Savior, our Healer, our Sanctifier, and our Coming King. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So our reading today is from the Gospel of John, as it has been through our Lenten series on the signs. And today we hear the third sign. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, which means house of mercy, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once, the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now, That day was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take it up and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working, and I also am working. For this reason, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he was not only breaking the Sabbath, but was also calling God his own father, thereby making himself equal to God. The gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You can be seated. Good morning, I'm Pastor Joy. And my children at home know that if their clothes have a hole or a tear in them, to put them on my sewing machine in the guest room, and I'll mend it. Mendings usually on Monday. This past Monday, I stitched up a seam in some trousers. I fixed a hole in a skirt, and I remade a concert T-shirt into a pillowcase. That was definitely the most creative. I I like to fix things other than clothes, but sometimes I do need help. So I take my vacuum cleaner to the vacuum cleaner store, the repair store. I once had a welder weld a tea kettle. I hired a tailor to replace the zipper on my daughter's coat, and I could have replaced it myself, but I really don't like replacing zippers, so I hired it out. I fix shoes, too, or I take them to a cobbler. Um, I, I can super glue them sometimes, and I would definitely recommend Gorilla Glue for fixing shoes. It's good for that. It's also good for mending china. And one time, I even Gorilla Glued the upholstery on a chair, and it's still holding. Gorilla Glue. You know, as a Christian, I practice repairing things because in a small way, in a small way that reflects Jesus' work of repairing, of healing, and we see Jesus' healing work today in the story of his third sign. So Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's at this pool here. This is a little model of it. You can see it. It's, it's based on um, archaeological work. it's Pretty trustworthy. It was called Bethsaida, which means house of mercy. It's a large pool. You can see there's two parts to it. And the sick would lie under the porticos, like porches, during the bad weather. It would protect them. And then this pool is believed to have some healing powers. Now I want to be clear, this is not biblical faith. It's not taught in the Old Testament, but the popular superstition was that when the water was stirred, the one who got in first would be healed. Sometimes we call this kind of belief folk religion, sort of like that there isn't a 13th floor on a skyscraper, or maybe you or someone you know has buried a statue of St. Joseph upside down in your yard in order to sell your home. That's folk religion. This belief wasn't formally associated with the Jewish teachings of the day, but it was commonly held by many people who were seeking some hope, hope for healing. And whenever the water in the pool would stir, which was likely because it was fed by a spring, and the spring would gush in new water periodically, people would clamor to the pool to be healed. Competition was tough, but nevertheless, it was a nice place to rest if you were an invalid. Water, shade, and here in our story today, we have a man paralyzed for 38 years, not from birth, so he's, he's lived before he was paralyzed. He's been paralyzed for 38 years, and he's waiting by the pool, and in the first century, when the life expectancy was about 48 years, this man is getting up there. And Jesus goes straight to him. Do you want to become well? I mean, this is kind of an obvious question, you know. Do you want to become well? I, I mean, do you, do you guy who, who can't walk, who can't earn a living, who can't go to the bathroom or get clean by himself, who can't procure his own food, do you want to become well? The man doesn't answer the question. He's not like, Yes! obviously, duh, that's why I'm here. Of course I want to get well. Instead, he gives excuses to Jesus. He says why he can't get well. He can't get well because he's alone. I have no one to put me in the pool, he tells Jesus. Think about it. He's surrounded by people, and he has no one. So he can't get to this supposed source of wellness on his own. But and he notes this. Even if he did have someone to help him, he knew what was ha- would happen. He was a realist. He'd seen it before. The people who were more mobile would scoot on in first. But still, he's waiting. He's hoping that someday, somehow, this magical pool of water might heal him. And in the meantime, he can sit in the shade and beg. But we know that that water doesn't heal, even if he had someone to help him, even if they got there first. I I will say that this man was at the wrong place for healing. The pool does not heal. When I think about this story now, I am very glad to live in the 21st century. People who are paralyzed still suffer, but it is so much better. My husband's cousin, Ryan, was paralyzed from an accident when he was 16 years old. He struggled. Recovery was really tough. But Ryan was able to get around. He had a specialized van, and he was even able to continue playing sports because he joined a quad rugby team. Sometimes that's called murder ball. There's a documentary about it. It's really violent but fun to watch. So, but because of... So Ryan was able to live a better life than, than this man at the pool. And also because of the American with Disabilities with Act, Ryan was able to get into buildings on ramps and find a bathroom he could use by himself and take the elevator upstairs. And these sort of cultural progressions honor the image of God in people with disabilities. It's much better for people with disabilities today, now, than it was in the first century. But I have to tell you, Ryan was never healed from his paralysis. And Maybe we wonder why. Why are some people healed and some people aren't? This question was true in Jesus' time, and it's still true today. I mean, Jesus did heal a lot. We're looking at seven signs before Jesus' resurrection in John's gospel, and four of them are healing, and I am including when Lazarus was raised from the dead. Four out of seven. That's a majority of the signs. But Jesus didn't heal everyone. I mean, think of all those other people at the pool. The the blind, the lame. We have to remember that Jesus' healings weren't simply for the good of the person being healed, though they were. They were also to demonstrate truths for us today. And these are some of them. In Jesus' healing acts, he shows that our soul's and our bodies matter, and that Jesus is Lord of them both. Our souls and our bodies matter to God, and Jesus is Lord of them both. Jesus also demonstrates in his healings his unity with the Father, that he is God, and we read that in our text today. But Jesus answered them, my Father is still working, and I also am working. His healings, too, are a sign of God's kingdom, God's future kingdom breaking in to our present fallen and broken reality. The healings of Jesus are like a sample of what eternity will be like. It's Jesus' restoration of the natural order. It's a foretaste. Sort of like today, if you stay for our international festival, you will have a taste of Brazil, but you won't go to Brazil. That's what it's like. So it's a taste, but not the whole thing. And so though we might not all be healed physically, the healings and the healing stories are for all of us. And I want you to be assured that supernatural healing occurs still today. And this healing is always by the power of Jesus, and it is not based on the faith of the person. Faith is important, but it is not what heals. If you'll notice in our story, Jesus doesn't say anything to the man about his faith. His faith didn't heal him. Jesus healed him. But miraculous healing is not the only way healing works or healing occurs. Healing can also be through human participation in the created world because we believe that God created the world and called human beings to steward it and to care for it and to be God's image bearers in the world. Our God creates order, not chaos. And humanity can participate in God's healing work as we study science and biology Those in our congregation who serve as doctors and nurses and medical professionals are participating in God's healing work. And this can be an act of worship. Whether someone is observing neural circuits or mapping the human genome, scientists are able to be awed by the presence, power, and creative acts of God as they encounter God's creating power. But back to healing. Even if one is physically healed, whether that is instantaneously through the power of Jesus or more slowly through the participation of human beings, healing itself is still just a foretaste. It's the sample. It's not the whole meal. Because, and this is sad to hear, but physical healing on this side of eternity is never permanent. You'll get sick again and still... Unless Christ returns first, all of us will eventually die. Physical healing is not forever. But thankfully, Jesus' healing signs are about life now and in the world to come. And this is good news. It's good news for all of us, no matter where we are in regards to physical health. Because John writes that these signs, including our story for today are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing you may have life in his name. And life in Jesus begins in our response now to his work, his words, and his presence. It's it's this healing that sometimes now, whether it's slow or instantaneous, but healing that is always and also later. Because this healing includes both the body and the soul. My friends, our need for healing is not just physical. And that is what makes this story one for all of us, not just for paraplegics. I mean, even if you are, and I'm sure some of you are, a physical specimen of perfection, 20-20 vision, a six-pack, and a steel-trap mind, we are all like those folks lying around the House of Mercy Spa. We all need spiritual healing, and we look for it. Maybe we look for it at a a real pool or spa or a vacation or that perfect house in Hinsdale or a kid who successfully made it to their top choice college. We look for healing in perfection or success or in having a lot of friends. We sometimes think that achieving this will really help us and heal us. But it won't, at least not for long and definitely not for eternity. And it's easy to forget that we need spiritual healing, but sometimes we get these glimpses of it from time to time. We need healing from our bad hearts and our broken ways. And we can experience and feel this differently, but maybe one of these is going to resonate with you. You know the wave of loneliness when you're surrounded by people? That's a need for healing. You know that 40 minutes you spend swiping through videos on your phone and then you realize and and wonder why you just allowed an algorithm to control your time? Those times when you watch the news and you feel helpless and and you try to pray but you feel exhausted and, and you wonder, God, do you hear me? We need healing from frustration about life for the past two years. Frustration that for some has evolved into a simmering anger that you don't know what to do with. We need healing from joylessness. And I know this because I see it in people's faces. We need healing for something that I I don't actually know the name of it, but I call it that blah feeling. It's like when you watch a movie in the morning and then you leave your basement and the sun seems too bright and reality seems too boring. This need for spiritual healing has been called by a philosopher the, the terrible flatness of the everyday. We need healing because sometimes we're just disappointed in reality. And and maybe you're 38 or 45 or 52 and you realize that your options in life are rapidly diminishing and you are not as cool as you used to be. And you've lost track with college friends and your kid called you boomer even though you're Gen X. And you see... A friend in town, and they say, hi, how are you? And you say, fine, and they say, fine, and you know that both of you are lying. Or maybe you're a student trying to get into college, and everyone asks you about it all the time, and and you're just plain tired, and you think, really, is this all there is? Or you're a stay-at-home parent, and the smell of Cheerios makes you want to puke. And sometimes you feel less loving to your family than you think you should. This is the terrible flatness of the everyday. We need healing. and We're all sitting around that pool at Bethsaida, waiting for healing in the wrong place. Our our culture tells us that to be healed and to be whole, our job is to go inward and decide who we are from the inside, and then we'll be truly whole. We use phrases like, know thyself, and to uh, thine own self be true, taken out of historical and literary context, and made into a maxim for what it means to be truly human. In our culture, authenticity has become a primary virtue. And the ultimate narrative of today is the story of the hero who longs to know who they truly are and whose primary work is to discover their authentic self. And we see this in movies from frozen to the shape of water. But as everyone retreats within themselves to discover themselves, they move further and further away from each other. Concerned about healing their own problems, finding their own authentic self, we are all waiting at a pool that won't heal. But Jesus says to us, and he comes to all of us, he says, do you want to become well? And without receiving a clear answer, Jesus heals this man. This man has been waiting for 38 years for healing in the wrong place. Wrong place. But when the right person with the right power encounters him, this man is healed instantly. There's zero drama in this part of the text, right? This is like the most amazing part, and it has the least drama. It's super subtle. He's just suddenly healed. It's done. And he stands up, and he doesn't need physical therapy, and he doesn't need anyone to assist him. His muscles are strong, and he picks up his sleeping mat, which is like not like a mattress, but like a little mat made from palm leaves. And he walks away just like that, healed. But the Jewish leaders are really super concerned about his mat. I mean, this mat in the story is a really big deal. It's sort of like a different character. This is why they're concerned about the mat. This day was Sabbath. It was the Jewish day of rest. And the Jewish leaders really wanted to avoid breaking any of God's commandments. And and so they made a second set of laws to protect the Hebrew law. So it's sort of like if you don't want to trespass and there's a fence, and you're like, oh, I might accidentally trespass. You build another fence around the fence, and then you definitely won't trespass, right? So you're not permitted to work on Sabbath. That's one fence. But how do you know if you're going to break it? Oh, there's a list of things not to do. Then we're safe. And so on that list was carrying your sleeping mat. But when this man is asked about who said, take up your mat, He doesn't know who it was. He doesn't know it was Jesus. I I think he might be a little naive from having been sick and sitting around the pool for so many years. But look at what he does then. And I love this. He goes to the temple. He goes to the temple to worship God and give thanks for his healing. And then there, while he's at the temple, Jesus finds him once again. It says, Jesus found him at the temple. But Jesus begins to disciple him with some pretty hard words. Jesus says, look, you have become well. Don't sin anymore, lest anything worse happen to you. Jesus is offering this man spiritual healing on top of the physical healing. Because Jesus knew why this man had been paralyzed. And he has been paralyzed. And this is a hard word for us. But he's been paralyzed as a consequence for his sin. Now I want to be real clear, not all physical sickness is a consequence for one's own sin. There's different reasons for sickness in scripture. Sometimes it's a spiritual test, like in the story of Job. Sometimes it's a natural consequence of living in a sinful and fallen world, but also it can be a result of sin either natural consequences or a consequence from God or both. And I do want us to be cautious about this. Please don't jump to conclusions about the causes of other people's illnesses. Jesus said this to someone he had just begun a relationship with, and it would probably be unwise for us to go around telling people that their sickness is a result of their sin. However, in this situation, Jesus finds the man and offers him instruction so that he may continue on a path of spiritual and physical health. Don't sin anymore, lest anything worse may happen to you. I mean, this guy has started his new life right. He's seeking to worship God. He, for the first time, is able to go into the temple as a whole, not a paralyzed person and to enter the worshiping tradition of his faith. He's there to seek God, and while he's at the temple, God finds him. Jesus finds him. Oh, what good news! But when he hears the hard word from Jesus, he doesn't respond. He's received physical healing, but not soul healing. And he leaves Jesus' presence and goes away to inform the Jewish leaders that Jesus is the one who made him well. He tells on Jesus. And this report starts the Jews, uh, causes the Jews to start persecuting Jesus. And then when they confront him, Jesus tells the truth. He says why he can work on a Sabbath. It's because he says, the Father is always working to sustain the universe, and so am I. Jesus healed this man. He was able to enter the temple. He had this opportunity to follow Jesus, to become one of those disciples that that appears here and there in the gospel story afterwards. But he doesn't. He receives physical healing, but not soul healing. And he doesn't stop sinning. Something worse happened to him, I'm afraid. I feel bad about the story. I don't like how it ends. But this story provides us an opportunity to see the choice we all have because today Jesus is here with us, present through the Spirit, to offer us spiritual healing, to provide identity to us in a world that tells us we have to manufacture our own, to provide purpose for us in a world that says our main purpose is to produce and consume, to be in relationship with us. A relationship that's not based on how we perform or what we look like or how perfect we are. And we need this relationship in a world in which relationships are commodified, used to provide professional or sexual opportunities without true friendship and without true love. Jesus is here with us today to show us the way back to God, the way home from a pool that doesn't heal, the way out from trying to figure out who we are on our own to learning who we are by discovering who God is in Christ and who God created us to be. I actually don't think we'll ever fully know ourselves, but we can start to know the God who knows us far better than we'll ever know ourselves. Jesus says, do you want to be healed? What's your answer? How would you answer him? Would you make excuses? Would you ignore him? Would you gladly receive the physical healing but reject the soul healing? Do you want to become healed? What would you do? I began this sermon by telling you how I repair things with Gorilla Glue, a chipped bowl or plate, you know, and and my mending doesn't look very good and eventually it breaks again. I wish I knew the art of kintsugi. This is a Japanese art. If I knew that, my repairs would be beautiful. Kintsugi is the ancient Japanese art of repairing broken teaware and ceramics. You can see where this bowl has been mended here. And when a broken cup is repaired with this technique, the the result is something more beautiful, more valuable, and stronger than the original. The mending is done with gold, that's kin, and it's connected, tsugi, kintsugi. And this art allows tea sets to be passed down from generation to generation, becoming more beautiful with each repair. The art of kintsugi is challenging, and it takes a long time. Repairs can take anywhere from two weeks to two months, and complex repairs can take a year. In other words, I can't do this on a Monday. I think that Jesus' healing is like Kintsugi. He takes our bad hearts and our broken ways, and he transforms them into something new and something good and something more beautiful than before. And so when Jesus says, do you want to be healed? My hope is that all of us say yes, and then we submit ourselves into God's art of Kintsugi, this both instantaneous yet lifelong change of discipleship because some healing is instantaneous and other healing is lifelong, but it is all beautiful in the end. Do you want to be healed? Are you willing for Jesus, the Lord of creation, who never stops working, never stops working, to repair you body and soul Because he is ready. Are you? In response, I'd like to invite you to to stand and join me in a prayer for confession. A prayer for seeking healing in the wrong place. Seeking purpose in the wrong place. And seeking our identity apart from Christ I'll offer the prayer, and I have a response that will be up on the screen. So when I extend my arms, that is time for you to participate in this prayer of confession. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess that we've too often gone to the wrong places for healing. We've believed in healing pools that have no warrant. We've spent far too much time waiting for healing from the wrong source. Heavenly Father, forgive us for seeking healing apart from you. Jesus, we live with many comforts. We live with most or all of our physical needs met. We live with a relatively high amount of success, but still we feel empty. Still, we feel incomplete. We confess that we try to fill this void without your presence and without your help. Heavenly Father, forgive us from seeking purpose apart from you. We've tried to find our own identity by looking within ourselves, defining ourselves, being who we thought we were, rather than who you say we are. But this is futile, Jesus. You made us. Only you know us. Heavenly Father, forgive us for seeking our identity, apart from you. Jesus, heal us. Make us new. Begin your work in us today, that slow soul healing that looks a lot like Kintsugi. Use our brokenness to make us into people who look more and more like Jesus, the great healer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.